You are listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston, episode number four. Welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now your host, Jody Livingston. Hey there, welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in today. If you are a returning listener, thanks for coming back and listening again to the podcast. Great episode for you today. Great interview. Uh, today I'm interviewing Joy Anissa. Uh, Joy is a counselor. She counsels thousands of teens each year uh, and works with hundreds and hundreds of churches and youth pastors throughout the year uh, as a part of the ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters in North Carolina. She also has a great book out um, that we will talk about in the interview called Identity Crisis, from going from crisis to credibility. And so we'll get to that. The interview was great. It is a fantastic interview. It's longer than our normal interviews, so I've split this into two episodes for you. So the first half today you'll hear. Uh, it is so, so good. Uh, but I, I wanted to be mindful of your time and kind of divide it up, splice it up for you a little bit in some smaller portions and sections so it's a little easier to listen to and digest. Uh, so this will be the first part, and then uh, next week we will release the second part. So be sure and come around for that. I'm not going to lie, it kind of leaves a little bit of a cliffhanger question, but there was really not a good uh, a good place to splice that. So that's where that's where I chose to end of the episode. Lots of good resources in here for you that she references. She's going to talk about uh, the number one issue she sees in teens that she's as she's dealing with youth pastors and teens. What is the number one struggle she's seeing most often, as well as uh, just a great resource that she'll mention in here for you as well. And we'll get to the book actually in the next episode uh, as we pick up kind of where we leave off in this one. Great. Great, great episode, great interview for you. As always, the show notes you can find uh, over on the blog, thelongerhall.com slash episode 004 is where all of the links and the resources that are mentioned in this episode will be. And so you can head over there to check those out, leave a comment there, questions that you have about anything that we talk about in this episode, you can find a place there to leave those. Also, uh, don't forget to uh, pop over to iTunes and subscribe there. Leave us, uh, leave me a good review for the podcast. Helps other youth pastors and youth workers find the podcast as a resource to them. And of course, as always, you can check out thelongerhall.com, the blog there for more help and resources along the way. Uh, but with that said, we'll jump right in here to the interview with Joy Anissa. Enjoy. All right, here with Joy Anissa, and uh, I've known Joy for a long time now. We're, we've become pretty good friends, and uh, a great resource for uh, youth workers, youth pastors. Got a great book out we'll talk about here in a few minutes. But Joy, um, just to kind of get us started, why don't you kind of tell everybody a little bit who you are, and a little bit about you, your journey to this point, and then we'll go from there. Well, Jody, I'm excited to be a part of this. Uh, my name is Joy, and... Uh, I, I don't like to necessarily think that I journeyed into this. I more think I stumbled into it, <laughs> but, 
I never set out to be necessarily in youth ministry, a part of youth ministry, but the Lord, he, uh, he's in control and he, uh, makes a way and, and really guides our steps. And I look at that and I really think that's what it was, but, I've been in counseling, um, for over 10 years in the local church and was a part of a very, very awesome church ministry in the middle Georgia area. And I was their marriage and family counselor actually for seven years. And then I got a phone call one day from the director of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, Brody Holloway. And he pretty much wanted to hire me. And, uh, so several months of he and I talking and what that would look like for me, what needs that Snowbird had. So that was really how I really came into working with youth and youth ministry, working with youth pastors directly. But I was brought on at Snowbird more in a counseling um, setting, which is what I do there. I am the ministry counselor there. But obviously, the great side effect of that is I get to hang out with teens and youth <laughs> pastors and <laughs> At all, just one that. or two, right? Just one or just two, just one or two <laughs> thousand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, anyway, but so I feel I've had a lot of learning. I think I've been stretched a lot over the last three and a half years. I've had to learn a lot about youth ministry. I've I think I've been more the student for so much of this the last three and a half years mm-hmm. than anything. Um, but through that, great relationships have developed with with teenagers across the country, youth pastors across the country. And uh, so anything that I can offer to encourage, um, bring anything to the table that's going to help them to be completely effective in their ministry, I'm very humbled to be able to do that. So, Well, cool. And uh, I want to get to the book later for sure. Great book. I think um, super encouraging, a great testimony just of, of just the faithfulness of God and, and, um, just his his pursuit of us, I think, is is something that I appreciate so much. But before that, um, how about what are some things? I mean, you're you're counseling hundreds of of students over the course of a summer, and uh, you know, upwards to a thousand, I would imagine, over the year. You you have at least some type of influence into as you're working with the staff and helping advise the staff into that. In addition to youth pastors who are calling um, with questions and dealing with situations. What are what are the situations and problems that you're seeing most often that students are facing? Well, I think I mean, that's a loaded question, but I, I really if, if you had to boil it down, I think it all would anything that they bring to me, I pretty much can link it somehow to social media. OK, they're being bombarded um, and, and almost our culture. You almost can't live today without being plugged in somehow to social media. Um, you know, I mean, even ministries, that's how they're plugging in with people. You know, your church probably has a Facebook page, your youth ministry has a Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, you know, you name it. And so I think what happens is our kids are bombarded. They don't have, they don't have the mental maturity really to navigate it is what it boils down to. And some of them, it reveals character issues. Some of them, it affects character issues. Um, So they feel, I think kids feel that if they don't have that connection, which we know more our generation, (laughs) you know, all of us that grew up 
without any of this, obviously. Um, you know, my kids ask me so often, you know, ask me and their, their dad, they're, they're like, what'd y'all do? <laughs> yeah, computers, internet, <laughs> right, iPod. Right. I'm like, oh, we did a lot. We played outside. <laughs> you know, we yeah. rode bikes. <laughs> last, last week, we had some uh, college students over to our house that graduated from our ministry. Uh-huh. And uh, they were home and, or a few weeks ago, actually, not last week. And we were sitting there and uh, somehow we got to talking about a pager, you know, and we we're saying, oh, you know, we all used to carry pagers. And they were, what, what is a pager? You know, what are, yes. you know, it was like, well, you would type your number in. Well, how did you know who, who it was? Well, you memorized their numbers. You know? Right. What? Why would you do that? Well, you, you had to. And so how did you leave a message? The message was the number and it was you, for you to call them back. And, uh, they were, they were, that is baffling, baffling. Yeah. It was just, it was awesome. Well, it was awesome. You know, so I, I've seen this trend. Of course we have two teenagers under our own roof, so we're living it every day and, you know, trying to be proactive as a parent, but yet allowing them to feel like a normal teenager at the same time as a, fine balance. Um, but I think if, if I could say anything, because at this point, I, and I'm not saying or even alluding to the fact that social media is evil. I'm not. Right. It's not. I think it's a great resource. I think it can be used for a lot of good. I mean, that's, I keep up with a lot of my missionary friends overseas because of their Twitter. Sure. You know, um, because they might not be able to have a Facebook. They might not, but they have a Twitter, you know, and so, I'm not in any way alluding to that, but what I am finding, the more and more I talk one-on-one with teenagers, talk with parents, talk with youth pastors, is that that's kind of the catalyst for what we're seeing our kids struggle with today, that even 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't to the severity and it wasn't reaching in such a broad spectrum. Now, do you think it's more, is it more of the fact that they're, they're just on there spouting, you know, shooting off their mouth about things without thinking? Is it more of, is there one, is there one that seems to be worse than the others or is there, does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah, it does. Well, I think a lot of it, you know, it comes with that immaturity. Um, We took an, I'll I'll give this example. I have freedom to share it because my daughter shared it to her entire English class. (laughs) <laughs> so I thought she totaled herself. So I guess that gives me permission to tell it. But we, you know, we were seeing some things. Our daughter uh, was doing on Facebook, saying on Facebook, Twitter, you know. And I, I think, like I said, a lot of it's just immaturity. Of course, there's adults that I question when I read their Facebook <laughs> posts as well. <laughs> right, so, <laughs> right. You know, TMI. I don't, I don't know I don't any of those. I don't even know these things. But anyway, um you know, so we were monitoring some things and it was a series of conversations with her talking about wisdom. Uh, would you really say this out loud in front of a group of people? <laughs> would you say that out right. loud in front of me? <laughs> you know, just there's a series. And then there was this, she almost couldn't be separated from it. Like it was always in her hand. It was always in her pocket. It was, she had it. It was like her lifeline and um, series of conversations, you know, and, but we weren't getting any, uh, we weren't making any progress, I guess you could say, in seeing her uh, demonstrate the restraint, the wisdom. Um, even, you know, we even put her on, you can't have it for 10 days, took it away from her, just kind of make that clean break, you know, those type things. And uh, 
So finally, one day we just told her, we said, you know, nothing that we're doing is, I mean, it had a grip on her. You know, and she now says that. She'll tell you that now after the fact and all these months later. And we were seeing it. And of course, as a parent, I'm always way more concerned about their heart than I am really anything else. And uh, so anyway, long story short is uh, she had to go throw the iPod in the creek. That's the benefit of living in Western North Carolina. There's creeks everywhere. <laughs> and uh, yeah. anyway, and it was a tough week. Um, but all these months later, you know, she's told us uh, that was probably the best thing we ever did. And, and she's even, I never used the words. She finally said, I think it had become an idol. Yeah. You know, and I asked her, so what were you afraid of? You know, cause I, I mean, we're not always motivated by fear in the negative sense, but a lot of times we are. And, um, she, she admitted she felt like she would lose all connection with her friends. Hmm. So in this little device, this is how they're getting an emotional. They're, you know, it, is because they everybody we we're made to feel connected. We're made to desire connection. We came back from uh, our overseas mission trip we last year uh, that we take our high school students on, and um, we had a student come back kind of the same way, unable to really use a lot of a lot of that there. And you know the comment was, "Man, I, I lost thirty followers on Tumblr." <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> what do you say to that? <laughs> well, so, wow, that sounds awesome. That was great. Uh, and, and so, but it really began a, a good conversation, an opportunity for us to talk through, okay, why is that so important to you? Um, and then from that, uh, oh, well, we kind of, we kind of played her a little bit. This is youth ministry wisdom right here. Um, my wife is really close to her. And so her and another girl were talking about it and, they were they came back from that trip though and and in the days following had noticed and made the comment that they're having a difficult time praying wow. that uh, as they're praying they kept thinking oh man i i need to post this to instagram or i need to post this on whatever and they just were having a really hard time staying focused and so i suggested well why don't you just take a social media fast um and you know i i really wanted them i practically you know a week is a stretch for these for yeah. these guys. Yeah. And and so um my wife with in her great wisdom said, Well, I'll do it with them and which not really as big of a deal for my wife, but they they appreciated the gesture, right? And so yeah. um I told my wife, You need to go extreme here so we can back them down. So so my wife spouts out, Let's do it, I'll do it with you and they're like, Yeah, let's do it. So she said, Six months <laughs> And they're like, whoa, 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 not six months. And so they then came back and said, how about we just do a week? <laughs> and so, and so, so they did it for a week. And, and one girl actually went on vacation with her family to the beach during that week and, uh, was, you know, couldn't post anything, all, all these pictures and couldn't do anything about it and, and came back from that just so, uh, invigorated though and proud. Like she did it. She really stuck to it. And both of them came out of that realizing, gosh, this was really a big deal in my life. And I've got to really guard my heart yeah. in in more areas than just the traditional purity sense that we yeah. often think. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, I don't know if you've seen it, but this really hits home. There's a commercial. Um, it's a father and daughter. 
they're out hiking and then now they're sitting on the edge of this rock formation and it's just this beautiful canyon in front of them beautiful mountains and it's the sunset and she gets out her phone and starts Hmm. taking pictures and he very gently lowers her phone and he says this isn't to be seen through that yeah and she puts her phone away and i thought you know how powerful is that that we're not to see life through a device yeah we're not to see relationships through a device we're not to see intimacy through a device and you know and it so it's it's not necessarily taking the device away i mean we went that extreme with her because nothing was, you know, everything we were doing, which I think we were doing what any parent would have been doing, um, you know, and, and here she is, you know, seven months removed from that. And she's like, I'm glad I don't have all that. I mean, she's yeah. come to that other extreme, you know, and um, she, I mean, she told us not too long ago, she said, I really don't miss it. And she said, and I said, but you were so worried you would miss out. And she said, I'm not missing out. <laughs> so, and, and I'll say this, she's more fully present in our home. Um, you know, I'm not competing with, you know, some alert going off. But I think the transition in that is what I'm seeing is, you know, obviously everything's going toward an iPhone or smart, a smart device of some sort. I mean, it's just the way our world is headed. And I don't look at that as a bad thing necessarily, but I think the balance of it is where we struggle. And um, so therefore, what I'm finding is where some ch- some kids, adults, where they're struggling is even getting into apps that lead to things that they don't need to be putting before them. You know, particularly like pornography type issues. And there are apps out there that, you know, I would encourage every parent to be as extremely proactive and in the know as they can be, you know, um, because it's so hard to stay ahead of it. I don't even know if really we can stay ahead of technology. It's changing so quickly. But, you know, I've talked I've talked with even girls that, you know, they've come to our camp for a week and you know some youth pastors they don't care if the kids have their phones while there and then some you know confiscate all phones when they arrive you know i'm that guy our phones they don't they don't bring them i i will personally send our kids home if i catch them with their phones yeah so, we don't we don't let them bring that on any uh on mission trips camps any away retreats um those those stay and to be honest um i cuz i've talked to a lot of youth pastors that go man i that's just a hill I can't die on right now. And I get that. Um, you've got to, you've got to choose your battles. The battle that you will fight on that is not with the students. That's a battle you fight with the parents because the parents now want those kids to have those phones all the time in case, you know, whatever, which is crazy. And, and so I, you know, I've been in youth ministry long enough at this point. I mean, when I started in youth ministry, we, we went away. We take your kid overseas for a mission trip. You don't hear from us until we get back to the church and make a phone call from the church office. I mean, there was, you know, that's just what it was. And and no one really thought anything of that. You, you could never do that today. I mean, no. you could not do that today. 
No. So. And I think, you know, and I, so, but, you know, I have conversations. Um, this will happen on average about three times in a 10 week period of our summer camp. And it, but it'll be girls, you know, and, and I think this is kind of the shocker for most people. But this kind of proves where we are in society. And, but here's what the sad thing is, is it proves it's infiltrated the church, you know, um, and they will come to me and say, you know, I figured, I figured out this app and this is how I'm viewing pornography. I sat with a girl this summer and we took everything off her phone. I didn't, she did, but she wanted me to witness her doing it because the Lord had so convicted her and she was so broken over her own sin. And, and I wasn't expecting this, but she took the next step and called her parents and confessed it wow. all. And uh, I said, you know, your parents are going to, you're not going to have that phone when you get home. And she said, I don't care. I mean, she yeah. was to that point, you know, she was 17 years old, about to begin her senior year in high school, but the Lord broke her. And that's what happens when the Lord gets a hold of you and, and you're broken. You know, you don't care what you have, what you don't have, what you're with, what you're without. Um, and that's an extreme situation, but, you know, but the thing is I there's, there's just as, it's just as much of a struggle it is for females. It is for males. And I'm not necessarily talking about pornography. I'm just talking about the temptation is there. You know, as Jeremiah says, our, our heart is so wicked. Who can know it? Well, if I, right. if I know that I can find a loophole and get it around a system and never be caught, I mean, that just feeds my sin nature. And so we just got to have these real conversations within our church. I think we've got to stop shying away from it. We got to call it what it is. We've got to, we've got to start having these real conversations. And I think kids are hungry for it. I think they're, they want people telling them, Hey, this is poison, you know, to your soul. And, um, yeah, they are, they're hungry for that. Well, I think we've, we've done a good job of speaking at students for so long and telling them, uh, kind of the rules to live by. And so we've kind of unintentionally taught these kids the system of this, you know, moralistic therapeutic deism of do this right, don't do this. You're a better Christian if you do this. God will love you more if you do this. When they stray outside of those boundaries, then now they're just filled with such guilt and such shame. They have no understanding of grace. The, the gospel has been just talked about, but never really shared in, especially in a conversation where you know, if you've got a student that sits down and confesses some struggle, they don't need you to tell them that that's wrong. Uh, they they know that's why you're having the conversation, and and you don't need to go through a laundry list of everything that they're struggling with either. You you've got to start that with love and grace yeah. and mercy. I mean, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. Does yep, God have exactly. wrath? Absolutely. He there's wrath. There's justice. There's consequences. There's retribution. But man, the righteousness of Christ for the believer. Um, we've just failed at teaching people, uh, students especially, who God is. They don't understand the character and nature of God, and they see him as a grumpy old man in heaven who's who wants to rob them of all their fun. And, and we need to come back a little bit and say, no, God is for you. He intends for you to to enjoy life, to have a greater, deeper purpose and sense of joy in your own life. All of these boundaries that you see as limitations are there for you to experience a greater and fuller and longer lasting joy rather than these sinful pursuits that we take in rebellion. And we just, we don't do that. 
we don't do that. And, and there's a, I, there's a million reasons I think, and that's not really for here nor there. I'm, I have a few opinions, but um, <laughs> I've, sh- I've, I've shared plenty of those on the blog. I think, you know, we just, we've cheapened the grace of God and, oh, and our students, they do not have a high view of scripture. Well, I think too, is they somehow along with everything you just said, you know, I listen, I grew up in the eighties and probably at the height of seventies, eighties, the height of probably legalism within the church. I went to a very legalistic church and school, Christian school, great people. I, I really believe that they really thought that they were doing the right thing. I don't question that at all, but it was just where it was at that time frame and Christian culture, you know, and I look back at that and, and the setup that it put for me is what I walked away with, unfortunately, was what mattered was the length of my skirt. You know, it, it was a it was a list of do's and don'ts. It was behavior centered Christianity. Yeah. But yet my heart, you know, was struggling. <laughs> you know, and limping along and, and, and I was struggling with things in my teen years that I never felt that I could go to someone and really put it all out there because I'd be put in detention or I'd be suspended or it, it, so it was fear. It was kind of the fear was lorded over with rules, you know, and that kind of thing. And, and so here I am, you know, all these years later and, the church thankfully has begun to swing the other way in a lot of ways, but yet there's that tendency in us behaviors easy to, to stay in, to stay in front of, if I can just get yeah. my kids to act right and, you know, present well and all that. But yet, like what you're saying, if we're going to teach the character of God and so much of it will never understand his character yet. There are so many practical things about his character that we can understand. If, if we're going to do that and we're going to practice basically what I say, if we're going to balance grace with truth and that's a tough balance. Yeah. And um, if we're going to do that, then we've got to allow for the Holy spirit to expose the heart And then we've got to make sure that in the exposing that we don't shame even more all in the name of Jesus. And that is a tough call. And so, you know, I think, again, it goes back to um, a lot. A lot of conversations I have with youth pastors is in this realm. And they're and I love the heartbeat of a youth pastor that is focused on I'm willing to allow the Holy spirit to work in my youth group, youth group and expose hearts because that's what Jesus does. If you look at the woman at the well, Jesus allowed an event, an opportunity, a need he had, whatever it exposed her. But what you really look at that is when she was exposed, he didn't shame her. He offered her hope. He offered her direction. And guess what? When she completely entrusted herself to the loving kindness that drew her to repentance, she went and exposed herself to the town and said, come with me and let me show you a man that just told me everything about myself. 
And what I love about that story is that it, it happens in conversation, right? That's not a preaching to the masses. And he, and Jesus doesn't come out there and condemn her off the front about what he's found out about her or what he knows or what someone else said. He begins just grace, right? Just grace, just grace, just grace. And, and, and even once he does confront her, it's in such a way that the sin is recognized. She, she acknowledges that and he still doesn't come and, and drop the hammer on her right now. It's let me give you hope in light of what you have. Yeah. And I think probably one of our toughest problems that, you know, obviously culturally we deal with, but let's just bring it really down to the church is the local church, you know, is the struggle with pornography. And I mean, it's a, it's a real, real deep rooted issue. And I think we like to think pornography is the problem when really that's a symptom of the problem. And, you know, the tendency is, well, we need to go expose this to this group of people and we need to make this known. And, and I'm what I take the opposite approach. And I think in that moment that the need that has to be met first is private restoration because we've got to show ourselves trustworthy to the gospel in the restoration process. And that happens behind closed doors. And that happens privately with those hard, tough, exposing conversations. And then your circle widens as the restoration process, you know, continues. And it's a process. And I think so often we like to think that some sin issues is it's confessed, it's dealt with, and it's done. And I do not think that's the case. Um, I think there are some deeply rooted sin issues that it is a, that restoration is a process. And we've got to allow for the process. We've got to entrust ourselves to the process. Um, and we've got to have a plan within the process. And so, as I have over the last 10 years kind of become a student of this area and I've gone through training and I've been certified in this area, things that I've learned is if anything is we've had it all wrong for so long. And Hmm. you talk about the Lord, you know, Satan, you know, trying to do something evil and the Lord, restoring it and making it good. I think that's the case with you um, go to faithful and true ministries with Dr. Mark Laser and his wife, Deborah and Dr. Laser was an up and coming pastor. And uh, ultimately he fell and pornography and affairs was his failure. And the marriage could have been, could have been over, uh, you know, he could have resisted repentance and, um, but he didn't. And the Lord now has used that and he and his wife have, uh, founded and he's one of the lead researchers in this area, even for the church. And, uh, he has so many resources on their website. His wife's written an incredible book, 
uh, they've written a couple of books together, but she really reaches, you know, if it's the man that that's the issue, she, she has so many resources for the wife. Sometimes it's the opposite. It's the wife. Unbelievably, some people have a hard time wrapping their brain around that, but sometimes it's the wife and maybe pornography is not her issue, but there's relationship addiction. And so she's in one affair after the other. Hmm. And, uh, and so he's has Dr. Laser has so many resources for the husband in that. And so their, their ultimate goal is to restore to it. You have to restore two individuals for you restore marriage. And that's right. where a lot of times we get it. There's two individuals that make up a marriage. It's not a marriage certificate. It's not, it's not a date on a calendar. And so if you have two broken individuals, you're always going to have a broken marriage, whether they're in the same roof or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. I mean, I think that that issue is so prevalent and becoming more and more so. And, you know, in student ministry, the importance of that is, I mean, it would be easy to sit there and say, oh, well, I don't do with marriages. Right. But you have parents and families that are that you're ministering to, for one. And second, I mean, I don't know, but tell me if this is true. This is something I have noticed in my life and in my ministry. And you would be probably more uh, more apt to be act, to accurately say this. I don't know in the last 15 years of my ministry if I've ever counseled a high school student on any issue that did not begin in middle school at some level. I mean, maybe in high school they were, when I, when they, by the time they got to high school, they were doing serious drugs, but that started in middle school sniffing glue or smoking pot. If they were um, having sex in high school and, uh, and messing around everywhere, that started in, in, in middle school, you know, with with whatever, if there was a deep-seated pornography issue, generally that started in, in middle school. Is that? Am I on something there? I think that's a very fair assessment. Uh, the middle school years are so impressionable, um, and that you know, I, I can even look at my own kids, and the middle school years is where that—that's when the tough conversations began because they either saw things. They were tempted to do things. They were invited to do things or they did them. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it, yeah. it's that full gamut. And just because you're in ministry, your kids are not exempt. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And I, I think that's a very fair assessment. Yeah. And I think even following, so kind of following that then would be you're, you're ministering to teens now. So youth pastors, you know, you know, we, we're doing this now. The things that are being built into their heart now, whether it's sin and struggle or restoration, uh, you know, and gospel centeredness, those are going to play out down the line. Like those marriages aren't going to fail in their 20s and 30s on their own. That those things start. You bring a lot of baggage to yep. the altar that yep. starts now. And so how do we drive our kids, you know, to that end into purity? ahead of that is, is really, really, really important. Is I think that so often just kind of key in on that word purity. We have, we've so marginalized that word that kids today equate purity with sex. And that's just one entity of purity. And so if we make purity full circle in every area of our lifestyle, you know, more than likely, you know, the sexual part is going to be protected. If my if I'm aiming for purity in my conversation, my music, my movies, um, 
how I interact with others, my attitude, my thought life. You think about that. I mean, that's the ultimate challenge that we're called to in Scripture is to live a life of purity. And so but we like to marginalize it, you know, because we think and I don't I don't know where this began. I don't know how it began. But, you know, if you only if you only talk about purity every February in your youth group, well, what you're saying is I don't or never or or never, never, you know, what you're saying is purity only applies sexually. Well, guess what? Go back to what you said. You bring baggage into your marriage. Okay. So, you know, that's the case for, you know, 99% of everybody out there. But the bottom line is, if I have, think about it this way. If we start in middle school and we're attacking purity kind of in six degrees, okay, of our life, and then they come into high school and you're still attacking purity, six degrees of your life. When you get married, you're still going to be attacking purity, six degrees of your life. Because yeah. we, we've seen this message, stay pure until marriage. Well, that's false. You have to stay right. pure after marriage. Right. Right. The and purity ring doesn't, doesn't necessarily go off when you get married. Like, And I think that kind of going back yeah. kind of full circle, and then I'm, I'm going to ask a question here for you, but. I think that the key lesson from all this for me is in something that we are constantly talking about with our youth leader is go after the heart, not the action, right? If the heart stays pure, the actions will follow. Um, if, if they're struggling in any area, go after the heart, not the action. You, you, if we can turn their heart and posture their heart, which I think is what we do in student ministry so much is, you know, we're not there to fix them. We, we're just trying to posture the heart towards the gospel and towards the grace of God then those actions kind of take care of themselves. It's almost, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a silly overstated probably um, example. But if you go to the doctor, they're, they're treating symptoms to find out what the underlying cause is so that they can treat the underlying cause so the symptoms will go away. There's no difference there in spiritual things when it comes to our faith and our walk, but we don't do that in the church. We just try to fix the symptoms and we leave the issue, the underlying issue, which then later just manifests itself again or in a different way. And so, um, you know, the, I guess here's the question. If you were going to, if you're going to say to a youth pastor, I know this is a huge, I'm about to drop a huge, you know, open another <laughs> can and we don't have to do that. We don't, you don't have to take a lot of time to do this, but if you were just going to say, Hey, here's, here's a few things that you would say to, to a youth pastor. If you've got kids struggling in any area or you've got kids who are hurting here, are, here are three or four, five tips things that you, you've got to do, how to approach that and how to do that. Well, there you have it. That's the first half of the interview with Joy. Such a great interview. I hope you found a lot of things helpful there. Good advice, practical advice. Joy is an amazing counselor, amazing lady, a lot of wisdom and sees and counsels a lot of students and a lot of youth pastors each year. And so is a, is a good go-to resource for you. The book is phenomenal as well. We will get to that in the next episode, the second half of the interview, along with the answer to the question there that I asked uh, right as we ended this one with the tips to kind of deal with students who are hurting or just in a mess. And so uh, you'll want to come back for that. If you're listening to this in real time, you're going to have to wait a week. But if you're listening to this in the future, you don't have to wait. You can just go and download the next episode like 
right now as soon as this is over and and you can hear the rest of the interview it's it's amazing really technology um so anyway show notes are over at thelongerhall.com slash episode zero zero four that's thelongerhall.com slash episode zero zero four you can find all of the links and resources mentioned in this episode there as well as leave comments or questions that you have about anything here in this episode you can also hit me up on twitter at jody livingston we also have a facebook page over at facebook.com slash the longer hall again please uh, head over to itunes subscribe there leave a review for us helps helps me i say us it's just me helps me get found the, the podcast get found by other youth pastors and youth workers so that we can help more folks. Thanks again for being a part of the Longer Hall community and for listening today. Uh, Keep on loving on students and give them Jesus. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com.